Welcome to the Warrior Goddess Revolution, a podcast dedicated to helping you get free, free of shame, free of fear, free of limitations, and free to become the woman you are meant to be. Let the inner revolution begin. Here's your host, Heather Ash Amara. Hey everyone, this is Heather Ashamar with Warrior Goddess Revolution. We are live on YouTube, I think. So we're waving at you on YouTube if you're here. This is my dear friend and comadre and (laughs) priestess sister and rebel maker, Star Wolf. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm so happy that we finally both had the space to do this interview. We've been talking about it for a long time after many, many conversations. So welcome, Star Wolf. So glad to have you here. It's good to be here with you. Yeah. And, you know, it's, of course, we would have to come together. When I lived here in the Western uh, North Carolina in the mountains here for since 2003. Okay. And of course, we would come together like about the second time ever that they've ever said that there were tornadoes in the area from the hurricane. And, you know, so there's a hurricane and there's tornadoes in the area, and that just never happens here. The hurricane may go by and we get rains, but not tornadoes. So I, I attribute this to us coming together. The tornadoes <laughs> coming to the, the winds coming together. <laughs> That's right. Two I forces of nature. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely, we are definitely two forces of nature. And I'm so honored to get to play with you and ha- the ways that our lives have intertwined over the many decades now. I think that we've been friends yeah. and yeah. So for those of you that haven't met Star Wolf yet, I'll do like my just random introduction of you and then you can do your random introduction of you. <laughs> I'm not reading very random. Random. Um, so I heard about Star Wolf before I met her. I think from Uh-oh. our friend Lee McCormick, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that was the original connection. Probably. And and, you know, always whenever I hear your name, it's like, you guys have to meet, you have to meet Star Wolf. <laughs> and knowing that you had been in California and had a big community there and had left and moved into a, a place where there was a lot of land and where you started to build a retreat center and people followed you and you created community. And that was always my dream was to do that. And my mama lives in North Carolina. So Aye. I got to come out to your land and meet you and meet Brad and, just yeah. get to see this dream that you had created. And at that time, you all were building the temples. You were building the air temple and the fire temple um, and all these different magical places on your land. And so that was, I think, my first intro to you. You've written nine books. Maybe it's more now. It's probably more, probably nine and like plus 20 that are in the ethers that are waiting to drop in. So you're incredibly prolific. And your passion really is breath work. So if you guys haven't met Star Wolf, she is this force that brings so many pieces together, shamanic breath work, which is one of her big passions and her incredible gifts. And I'm so grateful to have been able to do breath work with you. Recovery community and really supporting people that are in recovery, that are stepping into living lives in a new way. And deep shamanism through your work with um, grandmother twyla yeah so Uh, yeah yeah Yeah. so how would you enter like give us your journey in whatever condensed or long form you would like to today well first i'm going to pop up this picture to see if you can see it i just got this recently somebody sent it and it's a picture of grandmother twyla with her wolf pup 
look at her eyes. Does she look like she's about 10 years old? She does. They surprised her because she was a Seneca Wolf Clan grandmother, and they surprised her at a gathering. I wasn't there at that gathering, and they brought her a wolf pup. So she was like five years old at the moment when they did that. So what a treat. This was actually in 1987 when she got the, got her wolf pup. And uh, I, I never got to see her wolf pup, and she had it for several years. And then when I met her in the 90s, um, it was already gone. But, you know, she, she talked about it uh, the way I talk about my dog that I had for 17 years. It was part wolf named Vision Wolf. And if you've ever had a wolf or a dog that's part wolf, uh, they're a soulmate forever. And uh, so I just want to acknowledge Grandmother Twyla, the Seneca Wolf Clan, and um, and her beautiful vision. And she was very close to many elders and very connected with Sun Bear, who brought back the medicine wheel, uh, with Paige Bryant, who was amazing psychic and, and who passed four years ago and who wrote books about the vortexes and Paige actually was one who identified the vortexes in Sedona and uh, many, many years ago and went to a, a company there and said, could you draw this? I think these are vortexes, <laughs> you know, and then Paige moved here to North Carolina because she felt, and then she started identifying the vortexes in North Carolina. So I went and spent the day with her husband the other day. Like I said, he's in his seventies and she passed four years ago. Um, so I figure she and Brad now are on the other side of Grandmother Twyla. They're having a very good time uh, trying to direct us and say, psst, psst, you know, pay attention, guys. But he's talked about the vortexes here. So he was giving me the vortexes that are located in North Carolina. And we started, Nicholas and I have been driving around the convertible up in the mountains and going back down trails and stuff and finding the vortexes that Paige wrote about and talked about here because people haven't really paid that close attention to them. For instance, Looking Glass Mountain here, which I didn't know, I mean, I know where it is, but is the only, and this is scientifically proven, is the only mountain comprised almost completely of crystals within. It is the largest crystal mountain on the entire planet. And it's 30 minutes from my house. And I didn't know that. And if that's not a vortex, you know, that's like, so when you come, we'll have to go there. Absolutely. You know, go to the looking, and it's, it's the largest, uh, it is 4,000 foot high, is the largest crystal mountain in the entire world at its core. So no wonder this has become such a place like Sedona, that it's become such a place to attract people here, like around the Asheville area and where we live next to Cherokee, one of the oldest civilizations, you know, oldest, oldest inhabited lands are, is here. So I just want to share all that. And um, so definitely I, I love the, the connection to the roots. And Heather Ash, before I came on today, I pulled a card today from the deck and it was about uh, the standing people, the trees, and about the deep roots that we need to put down in our lives so that we can be nourished. So as we had this first like tornado warning in like 10 years or whatever, I thought about that, about the roots and the trees and, you know, how they have to stand in against the great winds, you know, and that this is something that I feel like that we're all going through, everyone around the world right now is trying to figure out 
where we need to put down our roots. And that roots can go a long ways. And we, you know, we can uproot if we're not in a place that's good for us in a relationship or a piece of land or wherever. We can pull up our roots, but we need to find places to put our roots down where we're nourished with friendships, you know, that are solid, that are real, with real people and those kinds of things, uh, with land that nourish our, our souls and doing the work that we're here to do, because that's probably one of the most nourishing things is to be on purpose, as you well know. Yeah, so true. And the place of when the winds come, where, where are your roots? What are you rooted into? Oh, what a good, Such good, a good thing. question. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. And we're in windy times. Yeah. Windy, windy, fiery times. Windy, fiery <laughs> times. Yeah. And change. And yeah. I love that you started around North Carolina because, because my mom lives there and that I've traveled around there just a teeny, teeny bit that those are some of the oldest mountains. Like those are ancient, ancient mountains in like globally, they're ancient, ancient mountains. <clears throat> yes. Yes. And, you know, the Cherokee, you know, um, many of the legends say that it's the, the first peoples. Of course, we hear that at many different places, but the first peoples emerged here and that the star people came here, this Jadakula rock, not far from here where the star people were supposedly came and that the ancestors and many tribes, you know, this in Africa and India and Egypt and all over the United States, and South America, that the star people came and the people emerged, the first peoples emerged from the earth. But the Cherokee believe and some of the elder prior to Cherokee, that this is the oldest mountain range in the world. And I did have a, a geologist friend here. Uh, and on our medicine wheel um, and our stones, you know, each of those stones are two, about 2,000 pounds. And she went and she was like testing the stones, measuring them, looking at them. And she said, well, if it's not the oldest mountain range, it's one of the oldest mountain ranges. She said, I would say that it's probably at least the, you know, the third or fourth or fifth oldest mountain range in the world. She said, but it could be. So there, it's a very ancient land. One of the things I wanted to say about it, Heather Ash, is that since we're on the North Carolina thing, I never really thought about that before. But when we moved here, I didn't know why we were moving here from California. I really didn't. I just follow my wolf nose, as Grandma Twilight said, just sniff and follow. Um, but I didn't know why. But then after I got here, I realized that the most amount of herbal schools and um, in the whole United States are here. And, and, okay. And, and then it, be it became clear to me that there are certain foliage and things that are found here. My son kind of is into, you know, science and biology. He said, mom, there's some ferns and things in the, in the mountains here that's not any place else anymore that we know of from prehistoric times. So they, interestingly, I love this. There's so much diversity in the plants and the herbs, healing herbs and trees and things. They've all learned how to get along. They've all learned how to live in biodiversity with one another and to when it's time for certain trees to take over, to give way. OK, so that the whole can live. And there's so many herbal things growing here and plant healing medicine growing in the forest here from this is a, a um, rainforest, a, a temperate, moderate rainforest. 
that when you see all that so-called smoky coming up with smoky mountains, it's infused with the herbs of the mountains and the land. So there's so much that I'm learning being here. And I just thought like, I'm called to go to North Carolina. And they're saying, you know, this is such a wonderful place to be, especially now, and to be in nature so we can nurture ourselves. So important. And I, why I love talking about this is so often, especially in the United States, we have this thing of like the Himalayas are where all the power is or, you know, Mexico and, you know, all the places outside of where we're at. Right. And that place of rooting deeply, I think one of the things that the pandemic has shown us or gifted us is to be where we're at and how do we yeah. root where we're at and find the sacred here that every place that there's sacred, every place that there's, there's like ancient wisdom or um, place like unexpected places. And that's what I'm loving about New Mexico right now is to just find these weird, like who knew that was there? Right. But we have to look for it and ask questions and listen to the land. And trust why we're guided someplace. You know, if we really are all of a sudden, you know, especially suddenly guided to be somewhere and it's like very different from where we've been or whatever, that sort of thing. And you know me, I love going like you. I love going to different places. And, you know, uh, the most recent book that came out was last year was, uh, came out was that uh, Vera Lopez and I wrote was about Peru, was the mysteries of Peru. And I love the, the sacred sites there and I can feel the energies there. And, and I was there before I was here, you know, in this place. And now that I'm here with the mist rising out there on the mountains, it looks a lot like the, some of the mountains in Peru when I look out my windows here. And, and then, you know, we go to Egypt. We were, we were going to Egypt. We're supposed to go to Egypt last year in December. We're all, everybody hung in there. We're going this year in December, hopefully. And that's a magical place. And, you know, to Africa, you know, we've been to Africa. But I can tell you that I'm beginning to feel like what I want to do is show people around here, you know, and to stay home more and to invite people to come here. Of course, we have our retreat here, but I mean, really, uh, not only to be here and retreat and teach people shamanic breath work and ship and recovery, which we do all the time. We do that online too. But to really take people to these, you know, these uh, skinny dip falls <laughs> that we've just found, which is a vortex supposedly, uh, and the Looking Glass Mountain and and the the Avatar Tree. I don't know if you saw that that I had a post of that. Maybe not. Maybe didn't see on Facebook lately. But the, it's this amazing tree that looks like. Uh, that creature in the uh, never ending story movie and it's bent over and you can just, I, I'm five, three, I barely reach up and touch it with my nose and it looks like a dragon. And I just fell in love with it. I just was petting it and talking to it. And I've always loved dragons. So it was this whole feeling of like, Oh, this is a, this tree is a dragon, you know, and I could feel it. So nature is so amazing and so healing and has so much for us right now. And that is one of the main things, of course, and I know you know this, um, that the shamanic world teaches us 
is that the answers are all found already in nature to everything. Everything, that, you know, whether we go for meditation, whether we go for plants, for medicines, you know, um, for a walk, to, for, to meet an animal that gives us a, a message, whatever it might be. In the past few days, I've found, I always say in Kentucky, bless his little heart, I found a little hummingbird on the trail and he had left and I brought him home. And then Nicholas brought in a great big cicada that had left its body. And then I found a great big hornet yesterday that had left his body. So I laid them all together in these little prayer hands that I have. And they're all three there as medicine, you know, like, what do you three have to tell us right now? You know, and I'm still meditating on it. What is it? You know, I know symbolically what you mean to me, but why now have we found you and, you know, that you've left and perfectly in form and, what, what's the medicine there, you know? Yeah, it's almost like the, the medicine under our noses. Yeah. You know, and you can walk by it and go, oh, a dead bird. <laughs> you know, oh, a dead hornet. Ooh, you know, or a cicada. Ooh. But there's, they're beautiful creature, little creatures. You know, they're so magical and, and, um, this year, there's been an awful lot of bees around, which is a good thing on one hand, but there's been a lot of stinging bees around here. So we've had some people getting stung. And so it's like, okay, what are, you know, what are you trying to tell us? Because some of the bees seem angry. They seem upset, you know, and it's like, because um, we've lived here, you know, and I very seldom, I mean, there's bees in everywhere here in those mountains and woods. And i I'm knock on, as my grandmother used to say, knock on wood. I think I've only been stung maybe once or twice since I've been here. And this summer, you know, my dog got stung. Miklos got stung. My uh, gal, two other gals that with her got stung. And, and then we have this big hornet, really large. And I'm like, okay, what is this symbolizing? Because it's not just me, it's other people. And, and people can say, well, like, well, can a bee, a dead bee just be a dead bee? I'm like, maybe in your world, <laughs> everything talks to me, you know, they give people medicine like me sometimes the wrong kind, you know, like, okay, everything is too symbolic. Give her some medicine. <laughs> it makes me think about, there's a, a great story from Susan Weed, who's a fabulous herbalist um, who lives up in New York, written a bunch of books, but she, one of her books, she writes about her relationship with nettles, stinging nettles and that she always harvested them such a way that she never got stung. And then one time she's harvesting and she starts, they start stinging her and she's like, what is going on? What am like, and she started looking around and she found a place where she had by mistake piled a bunch of things over some nettles uh -huh. and she unpiled. She's like, apologized, unpiled and she stopped getting stung. That's very interesting that you're saying that. And you know, when I first got sober 39 years ago, I studied with Susan. Did you? Oh my God. She did. She's been around for a while. Yeah. She's been around a very long time. I was 29 and I, wow. you know, she was a wise woman then. So she's been around a long time. But, you know, now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, we've been um, weed eating, right? And we've also been, um, we also became stories of another piece of land here. And so Nicholas has been out clearing a path 
up that part of the mountain. So it could be that some of those creatures got displaced. Maybe yeah. they were in the ground or something and they got displaced and they're saying, okay, you know, we're not happy about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. A good one to go dream into and ask, ask yeah. those beings. Yeah. And I, I think that as we, you know, that thing about stewarding land, and I think stewarding land is really the same as learning how to steward our own bodies and how to steward communities. Like it's all connected. And that act of stewarding causes displacement sometimes. It, like, it, it does. It just does. Like I, you know, I, on the land that I'm stewarding right now, I've got someone coming in that's thinning the trees and we're doing a pretty heavy thin because, you know, people are like, don't cut down any of the trees. Like it's so unhealthy for the trees to be so close together. And so this practice of thinning them and what I do is go out and pray and I'm like, okay, we're clipping fingernails. <laughs> right. Cause they're all connected. Like, yes, yes. This, you know, for you to, for all the tree beings to flourish, there needs to be less of them. Yeah. It's and true. The, it's true because if you don't, they'll do it themselves. That's, you know, when the trees come, certain trees come. And then when the other trees that come and the hardwood start to come, then they will, the others have to go and they will, they'll die off. And like, and then, but they, you know, I love it because my understanding is they don't just die off when they die off, they become the nutrients for the roots of those other trees. Yes. You know, but it, you know, we have, um, unfortunately down the road here, we have some people who just clear cut because there's a lot of building wanting to happen around here right now, because it is becoming such a popular area, but some of the, the people have just come in and just clear cut and just mow things down and, um, really ravage the land, you know, and then they're going to, do a lot of planting of grass and I don't want to offend anybody who likes to have beautiful grassy lawns, but if you could be here, look out my window, it's a jungle of plants and flowering plants and um, you know, and, but it's, I mean, it's not weeds, you know, but it's just all kinds of stuff uh, that's just so beautiful. But anyway, and I'm, you know, if you, if you like a nicely mowed lawn, that's wonderful. But it's so sad to see somebody clear cut a whole mountain and then laying down to plant grass. And it's like, couldn't you leave a few trees? You know, people are going to want to plant trees. That's the good news is that people will, that trees will grow back, you know? Yeah. But that's, but, you know, that's based on expediency and profit versus. Yeah. How do we work with the forest and keep some of these trees and build with them rather than over? It, ma it makes me think about just one of the things that is just always heartbreaking to me, which I see all the time. Um, like there's a place called Apache Mesa that I drove by the other day. And I'm like, you know, it's like going into places where you cut all the apricot trees down and then you call it apricot lane. You know, like oh, you go in and yeah. you kill all the natives and then you're like, this is Apache Mesa, a Mesa because Apaches used to be here. And I'm like, yeah, but you pushed them all to Oklahoma. Oh, the cliff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Off the cliff or like, you know, so uh -huh. anyway, personal heartbreak yeah. around that. That is, it is heartbreaking, you know, and that when we can depersonalize something and of course the biggest being people and animals and trees and when we can depersonalize 
then there's a way in which we don't have to take responsibility and take time to care what happens to them, you know? And that's, that's something that, you know, that's still, it's still happening all, you know, around the world. Not, it's not just in Afghanistan or, you know, it, it's around the world. And it's hard sometimes to keep our hearts open and stay sensitive. You know, I'm very sensitive. I'm, I know you're very sensitive. And there's a price that we pay for being very sensitive. Sometimes I'm getting kind of teared up now talking about it. There's a price we pay for keeping our hearts open because we're vulnerable. We can get hurt more easily, no matter how much of a warriorist we are. We became warriorists for a reason. And um, being a sensitive fairy, elven girl, hello, another myself, I get that. And yet, if we become too much of any element, too much wind, too much fire, too much air, you know, too much water, too much earth, if we don't work to create that balance within ourselves, um, we can lose our sensitivity. We can become calloused. It's okay to have calloused fingers from what we're doing, you know, in the garden or building, but I think we want to do like the shamans, you know, I love those images. Uh, maybe it was Joan Halifax years ago. I had a book, I think, on the show where the shaman, when its heart gets too healed, opens her chest and pulls out their heart. And it's like, well, why did you do that? And it's like, because I have to keep it open and sensitive and in touch with everything so that I can continue to be a healer for myself and others. And then I put it back in. We don't want our hearts or I don't want my heart to get hardened and say, oh, well, you know, oh, well. It's really important to stay sensitive. You know, I love it. Michael Franti. Michael Franti says, stay human. Stay human, you know. And I, Grandmother Twyla used to say, stay humane. Mm. You know. So a lot, you know, we would talk, I talk a lot about becoming a, um, a real human being. Grandma would always say, be a real human being. And other Native teachers say, be a real human being. And then one day Grandma popped off. I think she just made up and said, maybe we should stop being human and be humane beings, you know. And so ever since then, I've been saying that, that, you know, that we're uh, spiritual beings seeking to be humane beings on earth. And finding the balance between when it's time to cut a tree and when it's time to climb up in that tree and live in it for a year and say, no, you're not cutting this tree down like Julia Butterfly did. There's both, both of those are true. Right. Both of those are true. Yes. And this here's weaving into what we started this conversation with before yeah. around the, the place of separation and you know, just to tag off what you said is like, yes, let's have calloused hands and fingers from the work, but not have calloused hearts. And that, that there's times we have to rip the callous off. And I, for me, I'm like, it's, it's choice after choice. Like I'll go through a hard thing and I'm like, oh, I want to be, I want to be not tougher. That's not the right word. Like there's part of me that just wants to shut down and just say, yeah. I don't want to have to feel this. I don't want to have to like, this is too much. And then to come back and to open my heart again and to 
to learn, you and I have been in, in deep dialogue about this, to learn how to have an open heart and make the boundary, to right. stay sensitive and say no or say yes. But right. I think there's just choice after choice after choice. It's not like you just, your heart's just open. There's so many moments where it's like, okay, oh, how do I stretch into this? Yeah, yeah. What we were talking about uh, a little bit before we came on, and, you know, I was just personally sharing with you that um, there's so many viewpoints about what we're in right now, what we're going through right now here. And it's like, it's a can of worms, you know? It's like, I hate to even bring it up, because it really it is like, let's just play nice. <laughs> or let me just take my marbles and go over here, you know. And wait till you all figure it out. Right, right. You all figure it out, you know. And, you know, it's like, and, and also I don't want anybody, you know, to not like me anymore, you know. And, and you know, that, what am I, three? <laughs> yeah. It's embarrassing. It's like. But it's like, that's how I feel. And then it's like, and also, I don't want to not like them, you know? And I felt like, ah, my face is getting red, you know? But it's like, um, what I really, really want, you know? I feel like, what do I really want? What I really want is, you know, open conversation from the heart. And people who could be all passionate about something, but it, it can become dogmatic, you know, and that doesn't feel like it's coming from the heart. Passion sometimes doesn't, is not necessarily coming from the heart, you know, it can be coming from someplace else. And I'm not saying it's wrong or whatever, but I really would um, love it to just be able to feel like that people could just say what they think or feel or believe in an open hearted way. And it's like, what's coming to me is Grandmother Twyla uh, and others, even before I met her, talked about the talking stick, the sacredness of the talking stick. And that with the talking stick, it's like the talking stick has the power to make us behave ourselves. <laughs> okay. Yeah. To, to, to put on our, our big girl, big boy panties and behave ourselves and that the person that calls the talking stick just says let's talk and be respectful and speak our personal truth okay as we see it knowing that by the time it passes our personal truth may change or have more information or maybe even more stronger okay whatever but come in willing to simply share my sacred point of view for the moment, <laughs> subject to change, okay? When I gather more information or when something happens to me or someone I love or whatever, you know, that or until I have a vision or something that this is my personal truth. And then to share it and um, not trying to convince anyone, just sharing it to be heard, to be witnessed, to be received, not agreed with, not disagreed with, just that can happen inside of other people's heads, but 
with that truth. And then when I've shared that and I feel complete to pass, not for the next person to comment in a direction, you know, even sideways about what I've said, but they could be on a completely different subject or it might be the same, but now their personal truth. Okay. And to go around that circle and watch what happens in our hearts when we know that we're not going to be given feedback, when we know that we're not going to make a decision today about anything, when all that's happening is people are sharing their, you know, their full on uh, process, whatever, within a limited amount of time. That is such a healing, healing thing to have happen. I have had my mind and heart changed in those things. I've also become more clear about why I feel the way I feel. New information has been given. Or people have come up to me afterwards and said, you know, I changed or I'm now considering or whatever. And just a quick example of that is that some years ago, Ash, I think you know this, that um, we were we were here doing some stuff on the land and there was an area that needed to be burned from old things that were down. We had permits. We had the fire department people here, everything. It was great. And there was a fire and to burn it and it got out of control. And it's known around here as one of the worst fires around here. And it came up over the mountain. Our whole community had to evacuate. It burned, I don't know how many trees. I was devastated, devastated by it. I just, it was beyond. And people had, some of the people who lived here had major feelings about it. And we had to come together afterwards and sit down together and have a talking stick and not point fingers and not, you know, cause there was some of that happening and we had to talk about it. And, um, and Brad, my late husband, you know, uh, he was the one who was mainly overseeing it. So he felt a huge responsibility. Plus it was the land that we had, you know, bought and stewarded and invited people to, I felt a huge responsibility. And um, it was, I think it's the only way that we could move forward because after we did that sharing and then we agreed to do like a healing for the land and things like that, things moved forward with the land. I'm happy to say today, and that was, um, that was, see, I'm trying to think seven, it was about 10 years ago, I believe. If you go and walk the mountains here, you can't see any of the trees are all back the land is recovered maybe if you went way out somewhere you might find a log but everything and that's just a relatively short period of time so when those things kind of things happen i think it's important to remember the regenerative regenerative soul of nature within us and in the plants, the trees, and all of life. But we have to be, you know, we will at some point move past the pandemic. It will happen. What that looks like, I don't know. I have my ideas, but we will move past it. But will we move past the division mm -hmm. that we're creating with each other? Because quite frankly, I could go either direction. That's a big risk for me saying that. I, you know, I'm very liberal. 
that people that people shocker, right? But I, I understand, you know, having had grandchildren who, who were autistic the day after they had vaccinations. Okay. And helping bring them back. And now neither one of them, both of those boys graduated from high school this year. We had to be, have them on major certain diets, all kinds of things and work shamanic stuff. And nobody would ever know now. But these kids broke out windows at two years old and couldn't talk and spoke in foreign tongues after, you know, they don't really even remember it now, mm-hmm. you know, but I, it's, um, it's tricky. I can see, and I'm a person who will take a stand, but right now I can see both energies. I really can. And, uh, and, you know, it's like if I say that, which I am saying that, I feel like I have people right now probably that I love and care about on both sides will be angry that I'm saying this. But I've never hid. And I don't want to hide now. I want to ask us to whatever people. Here's what I feel. I feel humble. I feel like the smartest thing I can say is I've scoured the internet. I've listened to all my, you know, Michael Moore, who I love, you know, I, I've listened to all my liberals and I've listened to, you know, and I've listened to all my kind of down home Southern folks that are my family and friends and stuff. And, you know, and earth wisdom, I've listened to all around and I humbly don't know. And that's the smartest thing that I can say. And it's not a cop out. Because if I feel like I know, I will share that. I would feel a responsibility. You know, I know that recovery works from addiction. You know, next year, God is willing, I have 40 years. I know that it works. I know that shamanic breath work and firewalk and Warrior goddess, warrior. I know those things work. With this, I have to be humble and say, and no, I don't need 50,000 people here all of a sudden writing me from both sides and saying me, believe me, they've already done it. (laughs) Convincing me because I'm a voice. And if I, you know, and I'm like, you've all made extremely good cases. And I'm praying for clarity for all of us. I want to, I think maybe the answers will come when we, when we could all start saying, instead of, I know, I don't know. That's where my heart really is. Mm-hmm. I wish we could just come together and say, is, I'm afraid not to know. And it would be easier to say, I know, but I don't. And, and that's wisdom. I mean, <laughs> I, I agree with you in that there are so many unknowns and so much passion on both sides, like you said, of that this has to happen, this can't happen. Like you can drive yourself crazy trying to figure out what's truth. And God, it's so delicate. And I, I feel like there are people that are taking stands 
and that how do we take a stand for something that we're passionate about and that we, we feel really strongly about without demonizing anybody yes. else? Um, and that's what I'm interested in. And, and I hear that that's what you're interested in as well. It's like, you don't have to be passionate about somebody, something and then make everybody else wrong. And that's where we're getting ourselves in trouble, I think. And mm -hmm. that idea of the talking stick of like, I respect that you have a different voice. I have a respect that you have a different perspective. And that doesn't make you opposite me. It makes you a different facet. And that we all have a piece. Yeah, we all have a piece. I was just reading about a woman who wrote in Yoga Journal about her experience for herself of deciding to get vaccinated as part of her nonviolent practice to support her community. She's like, personal choice, really important to me. I feel really passionate about it. And here's my experience. And she's and afterwards, it went completely viral. And she's like, I don't know what just happened. But suddenly she has all these people writing her with extreme hatred, demonization, yeah. you know, and she's just like, this is the yoga community. Like the whole basis is supposed to be on wellness and compassion and nonviolence. Um, and so it, I've just been watching some of her videos because of somebody who's very outspoken and, and like newly like kind of elevated to this place where she was like, I didn't ask for this. I just wrote an article about my experience. It's not even that great of an article. And I read it and I'm like, it's not even that great of an article, but boom, <laughs> not that it's a bad article, but it's like, not like she went out to research it. She's just like, this right. is my experience. Right. 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 Which used to kind of be almost safe to do. <laughs> yeah. No longer you know? safe. Yeah. You and know? so now she's in this awkward position where she's like, I don't want to be a spokesperson, but suddenly I am. And how do we do this in a good way? Um, and one of the things that she's been posting over and over on her thing on her thing is like, please don't demonize people that don't want to get vaccinated. Stop it. Right. You know, right. and she's like, that's what she's ending up educating people around is this is my choice. I think this is really important, but we don't have to demonize anybody who doesn't believe this way on both sides. Like, can we stop that? And I think that that's something that is so hard for us to be able to hold, like you said earlier, the and, the both, the mm -hmm. and and the both. Yes, yes. And it's, you know, it's, um, when we do that, then we really lose. I think that because I come from a shamanic perspective and a, a soulful spiritual perspective, um, <clears throat> I believe that everything happens for a reason. I didn't like it when Brad, when my late husband seven years ago died of cancer. Okay. I didn't like the almost two years of hell we went through. I didn't like what chemo and radiation did to his body. And because of that, I'm not sure that I would do chemo and radiation. I don't know. I won't know until that comes. I don't know. But having watched it, if I was late stage, I don't know that I would fight. You know, I've had a good life. I want to stay. I want to live like Grandma Twala to be 94 years young, but I don't know. And I didn't necessarily agree with some of his choices, but that was his choices to do what he did. 
He wanted to stay alive. He wanted to stay here. And the doctor said, you got to do this or you won't make it. Your fourth stage. And you may not make it anyway, but you've got to do this. And that's what he did. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings around that I'm not going to go into. I learned a lot from it. And I also learned from that that I would really, really have to think twice about going down the road he did based on what I witnessed. But I don't think that, every, that, that nobody should get chemo or radiation or have surgery or do what they can. And if other people, I have a friend who was diagnosed late stage and he went to Mexico and he did some experimental stuff. He's not supposed to be alive and he's doing okay. He's doing pretty good. So I probably would try that first, probably. But you don't know. I don't think, you know, none of us know. Brad was extremely holistic. He had been, um, you know, with Micho Kushi and, you know, microbiotic and all that years ago. So, you know, so you don't know sometimes until you're faced with that yourself as to what you will do, you know. And I think that there can be a kind of uh, spiritual arrogance that can come with people sometimes out of fear of not having the answers, not because we're bad, but the fear of not having the answers, especially for our children or, you know, our, our parents. And we ha- there is something I, I feel that I have to say here, and that is, I think truly the biggest pandemic on this planet is addiction and codependency. Addiction and codependency. I think codependency, I still work on my codependency every day. Any of us who are sensitive, like I don't think about taking a drink or drug. I know I'm a recovering addict. It's been almost 40 years. I'm sober one day at a time. Just don't pick up, right? I don't even think about it. However, my codependency, (laughs) talk about a low bottom codependent. You know, I say if you if you go into codependency and you and you look it up on on Wikipedia, there'll be Star Wolf, you know, <clears throat> so, here's our demo. And I think I'm right <laughs> next to you. Like, and here's, <laughs> there's other ash. I'm with you on that. Well, and, you know, this comes back to this being sensitive and caring and loving, and, you know, because uh, one of my most beautiful teachers who just had her, I think, 91st birthday recently. I talk about Grandmother Twilight, but Jacqueline Small mm. of the Psych Institute. My God, I love that woman. She wrote a book on uh, codependency and she said, I love it. I have to give credit to her. She says, um, codependency is the shadow side of love. Codependency is the shadow side of love. And therefore, it's an honest mistake. Mm. And it comes from our childhood and our culture and society that it's rampant. If you want to talk about a pandemic or epidemic, whatever, <clears throat> that codependency is rampant. And though that we kind of divide into the addicts and the codependents. And some of us do two first. <laughs> we want to experience it all. So ah, what the whole enchilada, right? <laughs> but what I know is, is that every addict was first a codependent. And that extreme sensitivity and caring can lead then into food addiction, sex addiction, and alcohol, all, all the other addictions, 
you know, to try not to feel so much. The sensitivity. And, and I think that's what's happening now, Starwolf, is we have opinion addictions. Right. Right? Like, I, yes. in order to feel safe, instead of putting something in my mouth or drinking something, I'm going to say, I know what's happening. You that's just right. have to do this or you have to not do this. And then we have this sense of I am in control. I can stuff all those feelings of worthlessness, fear, out of controlness, because I have the answer. It's true. I really, th- I love what you said there about the opinion addiction. I think that's really great. And I think also that, you know, Ann Wilson Schaefer wrote many years ago when society becomes an addict. Uh, and at that same time, you know, the information was coming about adult children alcoholics and codependency, Melody Beatty, codependency, no more, all those people, those things became my Bible, you know, 30 years ago or longer actually. But anyway, Oh, my, how time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But the codependency piece, not everybody is an alcoholic or, you know, a porn addict or whatever it might be. But I've never met somebody. I've never met anybody that didn't have at least a piece of codependency. And to, to me, the codependency is when we give give over our power to someone else's opinion out of a fear that they won't love us or they won't like us anymore. And it literally feels like I will die. I will die. Some, I, I, I'm a bad person. I will die. I should eat worms. I don't deserve to be here if this person doesn't like me or love me. And so, you know, that's coming from our childhoods. You know this, you do this work all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a feeling of impending doom and death that I'll cease to exist. And that's not what we know. We're not consciously knowing that, that that's why we're making these decisions to people please or tap dance or, you know, whatever it might be, make everybody happy, be the chameleon, whatever it might be. Uh, but we're, there's really a child that's afraid. So I, I think that it's important I don't even know what I'm trying to say. I think it's important to be true to our own voice and to try not to, it's not to not care what other people think or feel, but to let other people think and feel whatever they need to, you know? Yeah, and to trust their journeys. I feel like... One of the things that that Don Miguel used to talk about around like pleasing or trying to fix somebody else was like, that's the height of self-importance. When you think you know what's better for someone else. Right. Right. I just read this great book. I'll send you a copy of it. Um, It's called Good Morning Destroyer of Men's Souls. (laughs) And it's written about codependency and this woman who... It's, it's just, it's a memoir. It's beautifully written who has a sister who, when she's young is a heroin addict and like that whole journey of being a, a younger sister and watching her sister, you know, and that whole codependency piece and then getting into a relationship with a heroin addict and, yeah. you know, like very conscious and very studied and like, and here I am. Right. And it's her unraveling of it. And it got to that point where she was like, he gets to be a heroin addict. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I, yeah. 
And my dog. Come, come on, yeah. buddy. And how hard that is to let people be on their journeys. Uh, yeah. And, you know, if we're really honest about it, or if I'm, let me put it this way, if I'm really honest about it, okay, I'll be saying that I, what I'm really unconsciously worried about is how I'm feeling about it at all. About it hurts so much, you know, and how am I going to feel if they die, you know, or if they don't get better or I could have done something, you know, because after all, I am as a codependent supposed to save the world, you know, so hence we become therapists, you know, we become, you know, healers, teachers, all, you know, the, you know, and that's one of the beautiful things of the woundedness of the codependency is to is this this great love and care but it can be destructive itself if there isn't consciousness in it if there isn't the consciousness of everybody gets to make their own decision so it that you know i, I think it's it's where it is so if if someone you love doesn't get a vaccination and you don't feel safe being with them, then you have to, or I have to, whatever you have to say, I don't feel safe. I love you. And I guess I'll see you when this is all over. We'll talk on Zoom. Or you can get a test before you come to see me. Or, you know, people have to, are having to figure out new boundaries. But can we find those boundaries without demonizing each other? That's where I'm really at with it. Like when I said to somebody, okay, we're going to be doing, hopefully, you know, our live two week here, which you'll be a part of, hopefully, here in the mountains. It's outside. I mean, we've got a roof, you know, in the air temple, in the medicine wheel, but it's outside. So that makes it nice. Masked, mask for some people, not mask for others. People can social distance. People can say they're not comfortable with hugging, you know, those kinds of things. We'll do our best. And we ask people to do a test that says, you know, entry. And if they test positive, then we love them and we bless them and say, what can we do to support you to go back and do what we need to do? That way it keeps everybody safe. That's not saying that you should have done anything different. You know, we did that at Gathering of the Shamans. We all tested, you know, it was like, I don't know, 150 or 200 of us there. I haven't heard anything bad about anything that happened there. Massive gathering and, and being very respectful. I knew some people that were vaccinated, some weren't. You know, we were very, we did the best we could and then also gave people personal choice around that. So I feel like that there's, you and I spoke about this a little bit earlier. I just want to say it again. Whenever I find myself, I learned this a long time ago in the either or, Either or, it's really a split inside of me. And I need to come back, for me at least, both and. The both and. And, and who knows? Maybe this is even not correct. I don't know. We're willing but to I'm learn. Just, yeah. Yeah, we'll learn. Yeah. And I really just want to, you know, the message is going out to people to ask people to come back to their hearts, to look at your own codependency one way or the other, and also our connectedness with each other. 
and you know what's going to be the best options for us for all of us but without the codependency some people you know um have autoimmune disorders and different things and they you know elect to get the the um vaccination because of that because of they may get sicker others are fearful of it because it can actually make them very ill so again everybody's going to have to find their own way and if this is the, if this is here to teach us right now to find something deeper in ourselves if we wouldn't stop and find something deeper in ourselves before to find our soul's voice this is a golden opportunity instead of pointing the finger at other people mm, yeah beautifully said yeah and that that place of respecting other people's decisions that we can have a lot of passion about what we believe is right and share that yes and talking stick like I love that 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 vision of like you get to hold the talking stick and say what's true for you and when you pass it like there's a a way of I'm not listening to anybody else's opinion or voice or I'm willing to listen to people's opinion and yeah. voice which doesn't mean you have to listen to everybody's you get to have boundaries too but can we make those boundaries without making the other person wrong or bad or evil or demonized or they're the problem like it's I keep telling like my community, I'm like, things are complicated. Can we be with the complexity instead of going into good, right. bad, right, wrong of just, it's complex. I have friends who are immune compromised that are not, are choosing not to get the vaccine. And what I say to them is to, and what I've said to all of us is like, use your intuition really deeply at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, this is going to give us the opportunity to really use our intuition so like I use yes. my intuition when I'm traveling around, is, is it safe yes. here? Is my body okay here? And I feel like we all get to do the same thing now as we're navigating of like, is it safe here? I didn't go to Gathering the Shamans last year. So I got a really clear, do not go. This year I checked in. I was like, okay, I can go. And so learning how to trust each other's intuitive capacity and also to keep open of taking new information in so that we're not hardened and we're also not completely porous. Yes. Like the beds, like not too soft and not too hard. <laughs> <Nobody> <laughs> <talks>. <laughs> yeah. Just right. Just right. right. Just right. Mm. Well, you know, in the end for all of us, all that's going to matter is how much we loved each other and ourselves and this planet. That's as far as I'm concerned, nothing, that's all, you know, I've, I've been with quite a few people who've passed, you know, um, over the years, and, you know, I've lived a while and been a counselor for a long time. I've been a counselor since my 20s, so I've been a counselor for a long time. And I've watched a lot of people go. I've been with people and I've helped people close or, you know, their family members and all that has mattered, regardless of what people died from, whether they died from a drug overdose, whether they died in a car accident, whether they died from cancer old age, you know, whatever it was, accidents, all that mattered and from the people that were left behind was how much they love that person 
even if the person made their life hell at times, it was, you know, as an addict or whatever, you know, was how much they loved that person and the specialness of that person, you know, and this is such a beautiful planet sitting here in so much beauty. And I know you are too. There's, there's so much beauty here. And the most beautiful thing is opening our hearts and allowing ourselves to um, love this planet, to love nature, to love the creatures, to experience the magic in everyday life, to have friendships that can, you know, talk and hold these kinds of things and to love each other and know that you have a friend, you've got a friend, hopefully not a codependent friend is what James Taylor should have said. (laughs) You just call out my name, you know, that you've got those friends and, you know, that's the wealth and that's the, that's the happiness, the inner happiness and joy. And um, to know that you're loved by a couple of people, your dogs, you know, the plants that you water, you know, to know that and to, and to make, you know, make love, to make more love. And that's what, you know, and I'm not talking about being in spiritual bypass and, oh, it's all good. But ultimately, it is all good. You know, I believe, you know, I grew up as a little girl in the Baptist church and I, there's still a little Baptist in me. And I do believe that all things work together for good, for those who love God, you know, and God is good orderly direction. And AA, mm-hmm. say, yeah. for those who love that organizing principle, um, all things work together for good. And when it doesn't look like it, I remember that. And I've lived long enough now and been through some pretty hard things. I know you have too, to see that that's true. And to hold that, the big picture arc, right? Because it may not look good now. And in certain areas, it does not look good now. Mm-hmm. Right. And all many of the things that we're navigating as humans right now of the division and the. Um, yeah, just the structures that we're undoing. And and I always look at like long story, like the short story is really messy right now. How do we continue to step back without spiritually bypassing? Because I feel like we have to hold the short story and understand the short story and the history and like really grok what's happening as we also hold the bigger story. And that when we do yes. both, we can navigate. It's tricky to learning how to do both because we want to like, oh, it's just all going to be great. That doesn't work so well either. Or it's, you know, like we get just so fixated on what's happening right now and the fight and the struggle. And that doesn't, this isn't sustainable either. What I've seen as sustainable is again, like you're saying, the and, mm-hmm. the and. We're in this, this time, we're in human bodies. We're here for a reason to care for each other, to learn how to love each other deeply, to learn how to untangle all the tangles. And we're also learning how to hold the biggest picture simultaneously, not separately, simultaneously, so that we can have that incredible patience to be sustainable, to stay inspired, to know that things are changing incrementally towards more connection, towards more community, towards more beauty. And damn, is it hard. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, holding the both end you know, the both and um, 
without being codependent and being like whichever way the wind blows kind of thing really requires kind of stepping back a little bit. You know, I'm looking at your picture on the wall back there and really in that big picture and saying, from here, it looks like this. From here, it looks like this. From here and from outer space, it looks like this. But also from inner space, it looks like this. What, you know, the particle and the wave theory and all of that. You know, it's, uh, it's this quantum world, you know, and, the, and of course, a lot of people are talking about the multidimensional realities of 3D and 4D and 5D and, you know, 12D. And, you know, my son, again, who's in his 40s, but who's very into science, he's saying, like, you know, mom, they've discovered that there's a parallel universe and they think their time, time may go completely the opposite direction. So you begin here and then go all the way back like it's Benjamin Button movie you know yes you know yeah it's like and that's just one parallel universe they're pretty sure that that exists you know and I was like well am I there too you know and, and then it's like well isn't that really the dimensions that we've been talking about Barbara Han Cloud's been talking about and you know and uh, my friend Judith that lives next door here wrote a book on 5D isn't this what we all know and isn't this what we've been you know what we've in the very simplest of terms, we talk about being uh, part plant, part mineral, part animal, part human, part gods, you know, part spirit, part soul. I mean, in whatever words you want to give it. And each one of those feels something different. And is this, this me that I am? Is this collective? That's why it can have to entertain so many thoughts and feelings and sensations all at once. And what is, you know, now we're just, you know, I'm getting into, I feel like I just dropped some acid. I was like, now I'm getting into, <laughs> now we'll go here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a long time, but you know, they say it still floats around in your brain. <laughs> you know, but anyway, this consciousness that, you know, when we really look at all this, again, what is this? Why this? Why now? Why this? Why now? And of course, being from the shamanic perspective, just kind of to kind of wind up a little bit, is just um, I could hear Grandmother Dwyla in my head because she lives in me and she speaks to me from the other realm. And she would be saying something to the effect of, remember, we've been talking about earth changes for a long time. The prophecies have been on the, you know, as... Um, uh, Simon and Garfunkel would say on the subway walls, you know, um, the signs of sounds of science, but and in the hieroglyphics that, and in the Andean and the Egyptian and the African and the Peruvian, and you know, that the there have been predictions and those kinds of things for a very long time for those who walk between the veils and could see the future and, and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, that there were going to be challenges. And that apparently we signed up to be here for these particular challenges and tag. We're the ones that are working hard to make the right choices and decisions and things at this time, not only for, um, you know, for who we love now, but for the future generations. And to me, I guess this is all part of, nature's struggle right now and our planetary struggle and with the climate 
and with what's happening. And when you say the climate, that can just sound kind of cold, but we're talking about every living thing, you know, nature, all things are in a, a struggle, whether we realize it or not, depending on where we are. And so there's, it's clear that something is asking for change. And I think what it's asking for change for is human beings, because I think probably the minerals and the plants and the animals have it figured out. They kind of had it figured out. But I think that the change that's being asked for is for us to change somehow. Maybe we don't, we may not know what that change is yet. Maybe this is an opportunity Absolutely. to do something different, to do something different with our relationship with nature. And to circle back to where we started, root, to ground deeper, to get more still, to open our intuition, to listen. And to have that talking stick, but also pass the talking stick to the trees and pass the talking yes. stick to the birds yes. and pass this talking Love stick that. to the mountains. Listen without defending, without, oh, I know it's right, but really, what do the mountains say? What, does the, what are the trees wanting to tell us? What are the bees wanting to tell us? What's my yes. neighbor wanting to tell me? And that we get to sort there's also, I think, more listening that's being asked of us and more creativity. And I'd love you, as we close Star Wolf, we, we talked again before about this young man that you are super inspired by right now. And it feels like that type of creativity yes. is what we need more of. So if you could share about him and how he's touched you. Yeah. So there's this fellow named Suru Guru. Suru Guru. And... He's an African man in Kenya. I'm not sure how old he is. He looks pretty young. He was a, um, grew up in the streets of Kenya. He uh, was a father at 17. Um, he, you know, was hungry. He was in the streets. He ended up in prison. Um, when he came out of prison, he knew he, uh, he got a, he educated himself in there the time he was in there. And when he came out, he, and he had studied, um, lots of different religions and spirituality, you know, and took that time. It was like he was in college, you know, you know, I'm sure it wasn't like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to minimize his time in a prison in Kenya. Okay. Um, but he came out, but instead of being bitter, he came out with the determination to make a change. So he could sing pretty good and he became a rap artist. And I don't know him uh, very, uh, very well in the sense of I've never met him personally. I've just recently uh, come into contact with him through another friend of mine who's been talking to him for a while. And um, so what has turned out is, is that he is doing rap music, but his rap music has a purpose. Uh, not that it all doesn't, but, you know, some of it's a little bit, um, I think, just getting down on a party. And, and this is more about... Um, talking about what's happening and it's kind of raw what's happening in the street and those kinds of things but it's also really good music and it's kind of captured the people there but also in that um he went back to the place where he in the area came from and to the children in the streets and he says just you would not believe how many homeless children are scrambling to eat every day there really touched me and so part of what he's done is he started this program about feeding the children 
and he has gathered other people and he's getting officials and different people and those kinds of things. And so they just started with like just one Saturday a month and all these children. And, you know, at first these kids have to trust them even, you know, they're not going to grab them and do something, but to come and that there's no, they're not going to do anything. It just feed them. And, you know, talk to them. And then there's services they can start offering these kids, you know, people, volunteers and that sort of thing. So at first, uh, they just, you know, my friend approached me and said, you know, Sarf, would you make a donation? And I said, sure. So I made a donation. And she said, Suru would like to meet you. So he came on and I, I met him and I met his manager and what two, two precious young men. They just look so young. And I'm like, you know, but they're making a big difference and they're gathering people. And so I talked with him and, you know, I said to him, you know, I want to bring you on to some of the, my Zoom calls and bring you on to some of my programs and things so that people can meet you, uh, learn about your music and learn how they can help support these children. And then he said, would you come to Kenya so you can see the kids? And I'm like, when this pandemic lifts, yes, I will come. And he said, well, we will you come and, you know, you can see all the children. They'll be so grateful to you for helping them. So that's, um, let me see here. Um, I don't know if I have the link. I sent that to you. Uh, I'll grab it and put it in the show notes. Will you do that? Will yeah, you put absolutely. that there so that people can go on and listen to the music and see that, that it's legit and see what's happening. I'm going to be posting it on my Facebook page too. Um, you know, so it's Linda Starwolf if you want to, anybody wants to go in there. And, you know, he literally says, you know, $10 makes a huge difference. They feed a child for $1. So $100 feeds 100 children. And if they get that one good meal, he said that's more than they, than they get in weeks because they're scrambling. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to seeing you in person when the time is right and um, doing a fire walk and shamanic breath work and um, just being each other's physical presence. And I want to acknowledge you, Heather Ash, for being the shamanic warriors of the heart that you are. And thank you so much for being out there. Thank you for being my friend, my sister, and thank you for being a voice in the world right now that is so needed. And uh, I love you and thank you. Mm, Thank you so much, Star. Well, if my heart is so full and I'm so grateful for your friendship and sisterhood and that I can call you and be like, okay, I've got a big knot. And you're like, tell me, let's unknot it together. Vice versa. Yeah, yeah. That's and I, I just say that to the, the gals out there and the guys, too, that make sure you got grandmother Twelly used to say, make sure you've got at least two in case something happens to the other one. <laughs> make sure you did. She just make sure you've got at least two people that you honestly feel like you could talk to about anything, because if not, you're going to be in a lot of turmoil in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful to have you in my life as one of those people. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Same here. Many, many blessings and (sighs) more magic. Yes. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with a fellow warrior goddess. If you felt fully empowered and inspired by what you heard today, we want to know about it. You can share your feedback by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
We thank you for your support. It's the fastest way to fuel the revolution. To learn more about the Warrior Goddess Revolution and other Warrior Goddess offerings, visit us at www.warriorgoddess.com.